0: Good afternoon, good night, and good morning, everybody, whenever you tune tuning into this new edition of the Celtics Blog Podcast, the Banners Broadcast. All the staff's out on assignment again today, so we're going to bring back an alumni of Celtics Blog, former Celtics Blog contributor and host of Celtics Stuff Live here on CLNS Media with us. Justin Poole and I'm in a brand new studio today as you can tell by the sound we got the $60,000 a year mic right here and, and Justin is coming to us per usual from parts unknown <laughs> so welcome boy <aboard>, Justin. <laughs> thanks for calling me some time out tonight.
1: Absolutely man yeah I'm on the road as I often am and, and you know you can see my glorious hotel here uh, my hotel room behind me but thanks for having me back on. I think uh the last time I was on your show was in the early advent of the Bobcast, right?
0: Yeah, we're doing two shows here on CLNS Media. That's probably a record.
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of records out there to be set, so you just go have at them, man. Go kill them.
0: <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. The uh, Celtics, we we knew this was coming off season, Justin. I think both of us thought it was going to come earlier than it did, but they have a three-game losing streak now. New Orleans, Philadelphia, and Orlando, Three in a row down for the Celtics. Uh, There were some injuries scraped in there. But the third of those, fully healthy, at home, Sunday afternoon against the worst team in the Eastern Conference. I don't want to say embarrassing because it's just one loss through a regular season they've been so good in so far. But the Magic were missing their three best players, or three of their better players, between Vucevic, uh, Jonathan Isaac. Brad Stevens is looking for answers. He seemingly can't find any. I'm looking for answers because the defense that had been so good all year looked like a mess against Orlando. And throughout all those games, there were lapses. And what Stevens was saying after all those games is that they've had these lapses throughout the year, offensively, now defensively. What do you think is the reason for that?
1: Yeah, I think the time off didn't do him any favors. We talked about this on Celtic Stuff Live this week. John and I tried to answer that same question, a three-game skid after a seven-game winning streak. Obviously, their play was broken up in the middle of that time period because of the traveling over to London and back. But I think another thing that we threw out there, and this is really just kind of throwing it against the wall, But I almost wonder if the practices didn't throw them out of their groove a little bit. Because now, all of a sudden, they had all this time to practice. You have to wonder if Brad's trying to throw some wrinkles in, knows that he has to advance things, even with the younger players and guys like Tatum, who are in their first year, contributing, making major contributions to the team. And so I almost wonder if they're over... thinking it a little bit or if they just lost some of their communication we've seen this uh, with Brad Stevens teams in the past obviously this one very different than previous years with a lot of roster personnel changes in the offseason but it has happened before where they seem to play better when they're playing often and then when there is a lull in between games they kind of fall off their rhythm
0: And they had that great back-to-back record last season, and it's so hard to compare last season, and that past incarnation of the team to this team now. Uh, We're over halfway through the season, and I've been asking this question to almost everyone we've had on the show. No one has been able to give me a definitive answer on it yet, but do you feel like this team has developed an identity yet, and can you describe the identity of this team to this point? Because I'm not quite there yet myself.
1: I thought that they had an identity and it was sort of the we lost Hayward underdog identity but then they got that excellent record. One of the things I loved was how much Al Horford was involved in setting up the offense and that's fallen off. So they have a new identity, but the new identity is the same as the old identity. It looks a lot lately like it did last season when they kind of handed the ball off to Isaiah Thomas and said, Hey, go get it for us, buddy. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of doing that to Kyrie right now. And I don't like it. I thought that offensively, even when shots weren't falling from other players, they continue to do, really great ball movement that's the thing that's really suffered I mean I know it's the defense that got them to this winning record and to the success that they've had so far and they are not on a string anymore in that regard either but you have to expect some defensive lulls at certain points and Brad said they've had it before and that is the truth they've um, I think it was the Maybe the middle or early part of December, they had a pretty statistical drop-off defensively, and they were able to right the ship again, and everything was kind of hunky-dory. But right now, uh, it's the offense that's really, I think, the most disappointing and not even just pointing at the second unit like we so often have. It really has more to do with even the starting unit just not passing the same way, and they're not closing games the same way either.
0: And it's tough to find the wrinkle in the offense that's to blame to that. Jason Tatum's been off lately. He hasn't been at his best. And he's finally starting to hit that rookie wall that we thought might just never come. And he's dealing with a knee injury too, which I think is strangely being underplayed. Not a lot of questions about that to Stevens to this point, even though I don't think he'd get into it too much. But got to do the due diligence. And then what's interesting is that Stevens is going deep down to this roster to look for answers. We've seen him do it before, but Shane Larkin's getting a lot of run on the ball now. He is getting run deep into the fourth quarter. He's counting on the bench to mount these comebacks. And they've drawn close. They had a very spirited comeback in all three of these games. But they fell just short. And that's another big question that's arising now, too, is is falling behind in these games getting that experience trying to mount these comebacks good for them or is that what's killing them right now
1: it's good for their confidence i think in the postseason when they get their back against the wall i do think it builds character but it's just not something that you can repeat on a night in and night out basis i mean new england new englanders in general regardless of the sport love a great comeback it's a thrill ride and they're certainly entertaining the fans and, and the fans are getting their money's worth pay the prices that they do to go see this team that's really the best team we've seen in, in quite some time for the Celtics and so it's nice to see the resurgence and it's great to have exciting games but it's just again it's it's going to catch up with you and it has to this date. I think you make a really good point on the knee injury being un, underplayed as far as Jason Tatum because that was one of my comments on the show and at the time I wasn't aware of the knee injury and obviously for good reason it's been kind of held under wraps. I knew it about the pinky and the dislocation and yeah, we could I kind of point that. to that. Yeah, and that that you can easily point at the three-point shooting, but my concern was, okay, but how many times has he taken it to the hole and finished for key buckets? And all of a sudden, that shake and bake, he's not setting that up. So even if the shot isn't following, falling from outside the arc, why not get it inside? Well, I think that knee injury is the explanation there. You brought up Shane Larkin. I guess part of me thinks that that might be a little bit of a shot at Marcus Smart, who has had a couple of really bad games. And I'm a big Marcus Smart supporter, and I think he brings a lot to the table, but he's hitting a slump of his own right now.
0: And I've been sitting on a story for Celtics blog for a few weeks now because I've really wanted these numbers to sink in. I've wanted more and more tape. This is one of the more longer-running stories I've done. And my question is, is Marcus Smart better than last year, worse than last year, or about the same? Because the numbers... The numbers don't tell the full story on him as we know, but they don't give you a definitive answer either. The turnovers are up, the shooting percentage has just gone all over the place as the season has spanned on. Roller uh... coaster. What's interesting, too, when you brought it up, is that Stevens has been searching for different ball handlers to counteract those smart minutes. Terry Roger is going a ton of time in certain games. Larkin has really entered the fold as a ball handler for this team to the point where he's doing a lot of the dribbling on the floor. If you look at the dribbling numbers, he's second to Irving in dribbles per game. (laughs) Good stat right there. What do you think of smart this year? Because we've all been talking about that contract that's coming up for him. As Kevin O'Connor taught me... If you're given a second contract, you're projecting future value and third to fourth season in the NBA that's where you really want to see some growth and I don't know if he's worse than last year, but he's definitely not better
1: yeah i I think that's really semantics because at the end of the day for him to get the money that he wants and for the Celtics to bring him back versus taking a look at somebody else, what they really said was all along, all right, we can live with the shooting and that not being perfect but We need him to be able to direct the offense. We need him to be able to playmaker – That is an area that I think last season I felt like he was pretty strong in terms of running the pick and roll, really smart player, setting up the offense even when he didn't have his own shot. And even to the start of this season, I think it was still there. So the answer to your question really depends on how long does this slump last? How long does he throw passes when he's driving to try to create something into the hands of the opponents as he did twice, I believe, in the third quarter? If it wasn't both in the third quarter, it was the third quarter and early in the fourth Fourth and uh, also stepped out of bounds twice. I mean, those kinds of turnovers, that's four turnovers at a crucial point in the game when Orlando started to pull away. That's just totally unacceptable, and especially at this point, because he is a smart player. So does that continue? And if it does continue, you can definitely say he's worse, but unless that playmaking really stabilizes the second unit, he plays well off with Terry Rozier, because that was really the plan all along, was to put those two in the backcourt and stabilize that second Unit. Yeah. Unless that takes a major leap, you can't say he's better. And if the slump lasts, I think you can say he's worse.
0: So, who who is this on to write this ship right now? We saw Irving score 40 points in 40 minutes on a, a Magic game. It's hard to ask anything more from him. Horford. I hate to get on Horford, but at times he hasn't been the Horford that he was earlier in the year, as you mentioned in the opener.
1: But they're not even feeding him the ball. I just don't understand it. They used to give him the ball a ton to set up the offense, and now all he is doing is setting that high screen for Kyrie which means there's no variation it's 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 uh very confusing why he isn't down right around the free throw line or maybe even a step inside getting the ball and then kicking it back out they've done nothing to invert the offense they've almost completely gone back out to the perimeter and we saw this a couple of years ago when the offense looked like that because they had no way to work it inside that three-point percentage started to drop they were two seasons ago they were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the nba and brad said we just got to keep shooting it well last season they started to get that uptick and it started to look better but it also coincided with Isaiah Thomas just completely attacking the basket and being able to draw a lot of that defense and then occasionally he would kick it out so I'd like to I think it's somewhat on Brad because I think he needs to get the team to get back to that inside outside game you know here's amongst all of this Daniel Tice is probably playing the best basketball of the Celtics big over the last two weeks, and I just want to see him get more. And I think he has a lot to contribute, and yet they still really are not utilizing even Aaron Baines. You know, he's been off he for two weeks. four
0: long. minutes in the Orlando game.
1: That's an issue. I think, that's, I think that's where some of it lies. They've lost their strength inside. They're being forced to the perimeter game. They're getting blitzed out there. Kyrie's finding it harder to get inside. He's taking these three steps back beyond the arc, three-pointers, and those are just to try to keep them in the game. They're not crazy ones at the end of the game to try to put it away or avoid overtime, uh, the, And and it just looks dysfunctional.
0: Yeah, and the, I, the lineups are a good question, right there. This team is different from year, teams in years past, where I think going small was a major strength of theirs in the Jay Crowd era when they were able to really lean on him as that four in that lineup. And then on. The game against the Magic, they start small. They went with Morris at the four, who has been getting way more minutes of late since that London break. His knees really getting better. and he's
1: been, Yeah, he's better.
0: Yeah, he's been doing well in the swing of the offense, but with that small lineup, the Magic were getting to the paint at will, opening up their game outside. The, the way the Magic just completely broke down their defense against small ball lineups for most of the game concerned me because in those old Crowder-Thomas teams, even though they gave up height, and gained offense in the process, I don't feel like they gave up as much defense as they do now. And the, the
1: Baines first, thing is an issue. Yeah. The Baines, as soon as they already knew he wasn't going to be able to hit outside shots, but he had that mid range jumper, it, especially along the baseline, he was pretty sweet for quite a while. And it was about a week ago, all of a sudden, that that jumper just wasn't falling for him, and his minutes fell off faster than his jump shot.
0: Yeah. It's the Stevens thing. Stevens wants guys on the court who can shoot. It's why Tice's numbers have nearly matched Baines, it seems like, to this point now. And I I know Baines was dealing with a sinus infection. That was probably a big reason he only got four minutes in that Magic game. But he's he's eighth or ninth on this team in minutes. And if you look at the numbers, the lineup numbers, the net ratings, and everything else, the best lineups they have, offensively and defensively, have Baines in them, the starting lineup and the starting lineup with Smart in there instead of Tatum.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think the Tatum-Smart thing is – you know i i think you can tease that out just because of the defensive effort is a little bit different and maybe when those rotations are out there. But what I will say is it seems like Daniel Tice hit that one three-pointer, right? He kept trying it, and he missed it like two or three games in a row, and then when it finally fell, he just took all the minutes. It's like, there he is. He can (laughs) shoot threes. It's proven. It's a fact. He can make a three, so now he's getting run. And I don't think we've even seen him take a three-pointer since that game. Um, But it is kind of funny. But the, the Baines thing, yeah, I'm sure the sinus infection, but even then, his minutes have been reduced uh, over the last couple of weeks, and um, he's he's got to come back into form. And that, as you pointed out, they need that enforcer. We can't let people get to the rim at will. As, I mean, especially a team as athletic as Orlando. I mean, I know our team is athletic, and Jalen Brown is. I mean, there's like he's starting to develop a euro step that he never had. Yeah. Right. If he tried to do that euro step, he was out of control. His bag was to the basket. He was throwing it up in the air. He's he had a nice little finger roll on a euro step the other night, and that's a really nice development for his game because of that strong, strong athleticism. But just to complete the point about Orlando, they're so athletic that if you don't have a punisher in the middle to make them pay when they finally get there, they are going to carve up your defense. And that's when they're dangerous. And they just caught the Celtics at the right time.
0: And I, I wrote this in the Read React to the Magic game. I do wish they'd go with the personnel they have now. Back in the last few years, they haven't had the ability to go big, go defensive like they have this year. And early on, they were utilizing Baines amazingly, it felt like. You had the second layer of big men play behind him in Tice. And is it the right decision? I mean, it's Steven's mantra. He loves going small. He loves having shooters all over the court. Marcus Morris is really an X-factor to this team, so he does need minutes because he's a shot maker. He's seemingly a defender. We were sold on that, but it's, it's come and gone throughout the season, I felt like. And it has me wondering, do they have the personnel to go small this year? Because you see Semi-Ojule gang run in that capacity. It's not working with him. Gershon Yabusele isn't ready for this, so I take him out of the equation completely. And... Tatum, as much as I love what he's done this year, I don't think he's ready to play the four, and he's shown that so far.
1: I don't know his rebounding is there, and he's had some block shots. I just think
0: defensively. I, think, I mean, though, I feel like this. No, really I know, but then drops he drops off defensively when they go small this year.
1: It does. It does, but that's because it's not Hayward. It's Morris. It's you know. It's a mix and match, and you, you know go. there's a lot of there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, I think if there was a consistent lineup, you know, even if Tatum was at the four and they had Baines at the five, you know what I mean? I don't think you'd see the drop off. I just think it's really hard to play, you know, with Horford at center and Tatum at the at the four and then you know, you're know you kind of filling it in with Morris I mean yeah can they go small yes they can but they, they really need Horford I mean Hayward to make that small lineup really work I mean you mentioned Jay Crowder I can definitely see Tatum at the three I think he does fine at the four but I don't think the small lineup is necessarily better with him at the four so you slot him at the three you're not getting any bigger by putting in Hayward but I do think that that winds up because of the shooting of going small in that capacity that it actually works out. And even defensively. So what if you take a little bit of a drop off um, with that much shooting on the floor, Horford can focus more on defense too. And that's another thing when they go into those offensive droughts, you know, somebody like Horford can't just focus, focus on defense. And even if he does, then they don't wind up running the offense through them, and then it just gets it falls apart. It's just so much you can only ask one player to do night in and night out. I mean even Kyrie, he's had a nice defensive year, but watch his defense when they as they continue to push him up towards 40 40 points and they rely on him more and more to handle the ball and set up the offense, his defense has to suffer. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. You can't play guys almost 40 minutes a night, you know, high 30s and have the whole game resting on the shoulders of them offensively and still keep up defensively. It just doesn't work that way.
0: And to be fair, I do think like a, a lot of the things we're talking about today were handled well earlier in the season. Irving never played more than 30, 32 minutes a game before the last 5, 10 games that we're seeing. And then the big men situation seemed to be in more order with Morris out of there for times. Um,
1: and injuries weren't any less of an issue.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting going forward because they have Toronto to start off February. You're going to have the trade deadline right before that Cavaliers game. And things are going bad in Cleveland. Bad, bad. And we feel like we've seen this before. <laughs> we, it, it feel, every year. It Excellent. Seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> every year it feels like we're saying the same thing about Cleveland. But it's different players now. It's older players I don't know what has happened to... Well, we know what happened to Isaiah Thomas as he comes back, but I do not know what happened to Jay Crowder. That seemed like the perfect environment for him to thrive, and he—he's killing,
1: he's killing my fantasy league team. I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> my stealing Us fantasy basketball team is getting murdered by Jay. Like he's going to be on waiver wire soon.
0: <laughs> so we have two big things going on here. We're seeing that the Celtics team is young. There's going to be these lapses that come with them. But we're seeing that Cleveland's old and maybe uh, susceptible to playoff failure for the first time ever since 2010. Because the one we've big...
1: seen it before. Don't don't fall into it. Don't fall into the trap. I mean, I, I do see what you see, and I yeah. think the whole league is, and it's uglier than in past years, but just remember, just remember last season, you know? We had the same conversation. I mean, I know it's a different roster, but it was the same conversation, and when the playoffs hit, LeBron goes bananas. Part of the reason that they get the sag is because he does sag off, and he has to. It's about managing his minutes. Right now, it doesn't matter if he can be the king when it comes to the mid-April and into June, then everything is fine and he can carry that team. Do I think that the Eastern Conference is stronger and do I think Cleveland is weaker? Yeah, that gap has gotten smaller. Yeah.
0: But, Especially but with Toronto, look at Toronto. No one is talking about Toronto and they have been... They've
1: done this. Sure. Look well, how bad they got smoked by Cleveland. That's what it. That's why nobody's taking them seriously. It's a historical perspective. The roster hasn't changed that much. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. But they've tried to make moves at the trade deadline to compete with Cleveland in the past, and it has has made no impact in the postseason. So everybody sees them as fools gold right now. Even though DeRozan's game is getting better, Lowry is still Lowry. Um, you know, but they've also even looked at maybe dealing Valanciunas. This, right, so yeah. um, but well, the player, that,
0: they're trying hard to change the culture around there, and that, that's the big deal, and that's why I think it is different. And. The big debate now is if it's different. If it's different in Boston, if it's different in Cleveland. And Toronto has really switched up their approach. Dwayne Casey's been talking about it all year, how they're trying to get motion, spacing. derosion shooting threes better than ever. That's why.
1: That That's the key right there. That could be the game changer. Because he's finally spacing the floor, defensively, I think it spreads Cleveland out. And you mentioned age, and then they've already got... You know, their size challenged because not only Isaiah, but just in general, you know, even D. Wade is, is not the defender he was once was. And so, you know, you have some limitations there that I think defensively, when you space the floor effectively, that might be able to close it. But do you really think they're going to go from a sweep to being able to beat? I mean, they're going to have to win four to three with home court advantage, right? I mean, yeah, that's...
0: That seven that, game series changes everything. Uh-huh. With Boston... We got some very interesting news this week. It dropped right on the Instagram feed out of nowhere. It was Gordon Hayward standing up in a gym, letting it fly just like that. Same exact form as uh, Justin just showed you. (laughs) And it was nothing but net. Absolutely nothing but net. And
1: no feet. I mean, the fact, I I would tell you, I, I mean, I understand why he's not getting the legs into it, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. But I think the thing that was so amazing to me was. Can you imagine sitting out beyond the arc from NBA three point line and not lifting your feet off the ground and swishing it like that? It looks like a freaking free throw! He seriously looks like he's shooting free throws in that clip. That's incredible to me. It had me salivating for him to come back, and it made me also think that, you know, at the very least, if we could just have him as a decoy, parked out beyond the arc for 12 minutes a game, even if he couldn't, you know, get the lateral motion back to be a solid defender, that second unit could still use him.
0: (laughs) Well, there we have it. Hayward, it's been very contentious. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Is it even worth it? And I guess that just links right back into our playoff discussion right there, is whether or not we think they have a real chance at the finals, because if you do, you jump at that right now. You never know what's going to happen in the future with competition. You take your stab at reaching the finals while you can get there. But uh, there's also four years to consider with Hayward here, and... The last thing we want is him rushing back to the core and this ending up worse than it was. I remember you were the one who told me on that first post game show of the season with your medical uh, background that there was going to be a chance he comes back, and here we are.
1: Yeah, I was sitting in Arkansas. I remember it very clearly where I was, and I was really devastated. But uh, there was a little optimism in that post game show. I think John. On Celtic Stuff Live had even more optimism than me. I'm pretty confident at this point. I mean, to see him walking around two weeks ago in sandals and then this week he's shooting threes, I mean, it's pretty stable. Are they gonna rush him back? No. The biggest issue is gonna be conditioning. It's not gonna be oh, whether yeah, or not it's, safe. it's not gonna be whether or not he's safe to come back. It's already pretty clear. I mean, think about it. He's got literally before the playoffs, he has another three months and he's out there walking around on it and he's taking shots, he is going to be fine to be able to play in the postseason. The issue is, will he be able to get into game shape? Will he trust the ankle? Is he going to be going up for alley-oops? Hell no, that ain't going to be happening in the postseason. But can he contribute, and can he contribute in limited minutes? I'd pretty much bank on it at this point. It's awesome that they got the exception to use in addition to the fact that he's likely to contribute on some level in the postseason.
0: Likely. There we go. Best best analysis of Hayward we've gotten yet. Most optimistic since day one. I'll give it to you. I said no way on that night. I was in agony. I, I thought it was all over for the year, but here we are. And uh, that is Justin Poole in, in Detroit. As cool as that new haircut he's sporting right there. Always inputting his uh, show, so we'll plug that too. Celtic Stuff Live every week on Mondays, right?
1: Yep, Monday mornings, every Monday morning.
0: Yep, so Monday morning, make sure you get that over on the CLNS Media app, and subscribe to both Celtic Stuff Live and the Banners broadcast on iTunes. Uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Alex is going to be here to discuss some topics as well from the last week, so we're going to have two shows this week. Right, got to love it, and thanks, Justin, for being here as a uh, guest in this week. My pleasure, Bobby, anytime. All right, good night, everybody.